Today's thoughts from the Shea, we have a lopsided Eagles victory. We debut Bomb's Bone to Pick of the Week, presented by our sponsor at Shamrock Sun. We have more football. Carson Wentz, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, Ohio State, and our initial college football playoff rankings ahead of Tuesday night. First, let me tell you about our friends at Menard Premium Detailing, the best auto detail company in Bucks County where convenience meets luxury. They specialize in detailing luxury vehicles, but the limits are endless. Cars, boats, motorcycles, and everything in between. Menard services include protective film, ceramic paint coating, home coatings, caliper paint, and more. Check them out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and at MenardPremiumDetailing.com. Now let's get into it. All right, good day, all. Thoughts from the Shade, episode 18. We're up to 18 now. Um, another weekend of football in the books. We got NBA cooking, MLB playoffs, World Series is cooking, NHL season is cooking. A lot going on. Not sure where we're going to go here, but Bomb is here for another delivery of his thoughts. Um, let's check in with him and, and see what's going on. What's up, Bomb? What's up, G? As you mentioned, big uh, big time of year. You know, some people pump that that bullshit Christmas song. It's the most wonderful time of the year in December after Thanksgiving. I say we pump it now. We got every sport. All of our teams blow, but we got every sport. And uh, yeah, what a wonderful time of year. Yeah, October's like prime time. You hit all all the big four, all the major four. Usually get the best best weather, um, but October is already in the past. Halloween's in the past. Happy belated Halloween, everybody. Um, but I gotta say, I think we'll start we'll start with the Eagles. And and my initial thought on, on that game is, I think Nick Sirianni is in trouble. Um, despite the forty four to six victory, I think uh, Old Saint Nick is is in trouble right now and i would think that that either sunday night or, or monday or, or at some point uh he's getting a call into in the jeffrey lurie or howie roseman's office for running the ball too much on sunday like is whoa. like the guy that came before him whoa so you you think there's trouble in paradise he didn't throw it enough i think there's trouble in paradise um now i'm, I'm referring back i think it was may or june um you know, a couple months back where the athletic dropped that bombshell article about all the dysfunction uh, within the Eagles organization. And, and the one thing that, that I took away from that, that kind of related to, to Sunday and what I'm saying here is that uh, there was a game where the Eagles got a big win um, and they ran oh. the ball like they did yesterday. Buffalo. Buffalo. Apparently, Doug Peterson was called in to, to Howie and Jeff's uh, office, was told he ran the ball too much. He was criticized for his game plan. Um, so I'm curious to see what transpires now after the Eagles had some success on the ground yesterday, albeit was the Detroit Lions. I mean, wow, what a terrible team that is. We were both on them. Um, but to make the Eagles look like that, you've got to be some kind of bad. 
what if this was all a long con by Sirianni? Where, you know, we know that he, we know that uh, Reich liked to run the ball in Indianapolis. So I think when people thought Sirianni was coming in here, the initial thought was, oh, they'll be more balanced, not recognizing that his two bosses are absolute fucking idiots and love throwing the ball. What if Sirianni said, you know what? The first few games, I'm just going to air it out like 60 times with Jalen Hurts just to prove a point to my bosses and then see if we can run the ball. You know, I don't know how many times they ran it yesterday, but Hurts only threw the ball 14 times. I mean, uh, it's what everyone's been begging for. It's what the fans have been clamoring for. Heck, even Jordan Howard showed up. They took him off the practice squad. Now we got to hear about that for the next five or six weeks. Yeah, we got to hear about Jordan Howard. He's tough between the tackles. He's running people over. He's a banger. I heard today on WIP someone called him Baby Blunt. Baby Blunt. <laughs> Are we going back to the Super Bowl? Oh, of course. Always back to the Super Bowl. Angelo, it was a winning recipe. We got a Baby Blunt. That's that's ridiculous. Um, I mean, you, you can't take take too much away from this game, and and I guess you can't. Can't knock the Eagles for going in there and blowing out a bad team. That's what any good team would do. Uh, not not that we are a good team because of it, but uh, it's funny. It's funny you think uh, maybe Sirianni's playing the long game here. Maybe he's playing 3D chess, and and everybody else is is playing checkers with the uh, the airing it out through the first seven, and then he he finally hits the ground. But I think we'll 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 learn a lot more uh, coming up against the Chargers and Denver. That's Two uh two tough opponents, or at least Denver's tough defensively. Um, where we'll actually see if they continue to run the ball, uh, if they try, if they do it successfully. Um, but really, no uh, emotions, no no crazy thoughts after watching that game yes yesterday or, or Sunday for me. Um, did you have any 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 real takeaways or anything you wanted to get into? Uh, yeah, I got a bunch of takeaways. Um, first and foremost, did the Lions remind you of the Eagles yesterday? Like, I was watching this game thinking, like, wow, this is what we normally do. Foolish penalties, dumb decisions. Like, what the fuck was Campbell doing at the end of the first half? Fourth and inches, 14 seconds left. He goes for it and runs the ball. He's already in field goal range. What are you doing, dude? Yeah, they could have taken the points there, got something on the board. Um, I think – I think Detroit got the ball first, right? And the Eagles were getting it to start the second half. So maybe that that factored into the decision. Um, but they did run it. And then what? They only had one timeout. So even if they converted, they would have to burn the timeout. Would have had maybe eight or ten seconds to maybe take one shot to the end zone or just to line up and kick a field goal anyway. Like, why don't you take the points? So so foolish. And, uh, man, the fear the fear that I have here is – like when you look up at the end of the year and you see that Josh Sweat has 11 sacks and, you know, all the, the Derek Barnett's of the world have nine and a half sacks. And you look at you look you go to great Howie at the end of the year and you say, oh, wow, King Howie did a heck of a job on both lines. That's how we won the Super Bowl. Look at the double digit sacks we had from our D line. These guys are Bobby Abreu types up, down, up 10, down 10. If you're a Philadelphia Philly, I guess for the Eagles, it's. Up 20, down 20. They fucking stuffed the statue. Yeah, yesterday was a good, or I should say Sunday, was a uh, a good day to boost the stats. And when you mentioned Josh Sweat, the first thing that I kind of thought of was luckily he already got paid. Um, 
and you, you got to look at it as as one game. Um, I can't imagine we'll get we'll get too many more performances uh, like Sunday with, with the schedule that the Eagles have coming up. Um, but yeah, I mean it, it was it was a stat stuffer day, but but not for Jalen Hurts. I mean that's what he's been doing in garbage time all season, and. <laughs> And yesterday he threw nine for 14, I think, for 103 yards. Uh, no touchdowns through the air. He didn't have any rushing touchdowns. It was all uh, B. Scott and and Jordan Howard, baby blunt. So, yeah, I, I don't know. How has this not been the game plan the entire time? I mean, there's no way you can have Hurts throwing the ball as much as they have. I mean, this, this is how you – you almost need to take the approach that the Ravens did during Jackson's first year where they just they just pounded the ball and selectively passed when teams just loaded the box. I think part of it might have been that they were afraid to do that after all the early injuries uh, on the offensive line with Brooks and Samalo and then obviously Lane Johnson uh, dealing with what what he was dealing with and not being available. And, you know, you're a rookie coach and, and those are those are your your veteran guys on the O-line that you can lean on. And, and when they're not there, do you really really want to run the ball and trust rookies or trust uh, replacement-level players to to get the job done? But obviously having Hurts behind those guys didn't work out either. Um, so see the point there. But you might be on to something with, uh, with showing the bosses like, hey, if we just drop back with Jalen 50 or 60 times a day, it's not going to get it done. This might have have freed him up to run it. You just never know. I mean, honestly, if I'm Sirianni, I don't know that he's, like, bright enough to do that, but that's what I would have done if I was a new head coach where they think they're going to control you. Oh, yeah, we'll we'll pass the ball 80% of the time, and I'll literally do it until you tell me, like, oh, this isn't working. We need to do something different. Oh, okay, we'll run it now. (laughs) This is absolutely unbearable. Please run the ball. Like, that's kind of the point it got to, right? Yeah. So. I got I you know I don't know how much more you have on the game. I got a bone to pick. Bombs bone to pick of the week brought to you by Shamrock Sun. Um, I hate to do this this early in this guy's career. What the fuck is Devonte Smith doing? He doesn't look good, man. First play of the game yesterday, he runs a little, little what short curl or something over the middle, hits him right in the hands. He just drops it and. I think he had he had one catch the rest of the game for for 15 yards. I mean he had a couple targets, but not not really the difference maker that that we thought we were getting thus far. I mean you're you're not going to have 100 yards receiving with eight eight catches when you're only throwing the ball 14 times with your starting QB. I get it, but like think about the situation with that drop. You know you get the ball. I think they were on their own 10 somewhere around there. They dropped yeah, it deep. They hit you on a little curl route over the middle, and you just you literally just fucking drop it. And then, you know, I didn't bring this up during the last game because I wanted to give the guy the benefit of the doubt. But that little fucking bullshit slam dunk celebration that he does with his boy from Alabama, Henry Ruggs, I believe it was, or was it Jude? Who's who's the dude on the Raiders? It was Ruggs. Yeah, Judy's on the uh, Denver Broncos. So was that pregame? Was that postgame of the Raiders game? Do you know? I think it was post game. It looked like it was post game because like there were other guys dapping each other up from both teams on the field, and that doesn't really happen pregame in football. I believe it was post game. Yeah, so that like really fucking pissed me off to see that bullshit. Like 
I get that you're the big man on campus at Alabama with all the mouth breathers living down there, 67% diabetes rate, everybody eating their way into death, and the only thing in life they have is Alabama football. Well, guess what? The only thing we fucking have is Philadelphia Eagles football. So why are you doing a celebration from Tuscaloosa that doesn't translate in Philadelphia? That really pissed me off. Especially after a loss. That's a that's a tough look. I mean, there's a there's a lot of, a lot of loving going on with the jersey swaps and you know, they post the pictures on the Instagram and all that stuff if they went to the same college. And I, I think that's all right. Like, I guess catching up with your boys, um, regardless of the outcome, you're still friends. I get that. But after a loss, after after you just got your teeth kicked in by the Las Vegas Raiders and, and you you made no impact on the game. Where, where we could have used you and we and we got blown out and and, and you're doing jump man with uh henry rugs while, while everybody's dapping up and getting off the field and sirianni's getting jerseys thrown at him as he walks down the tunnel in vegas like come on dude yeah so it's it's early I, look i you know i'm not gonna write this guy off um but man you know that watching that post game thing that he did with rugs Coupled with the first play of the fucking game against the Lions, that's Bomb's bone to pick of the week presented by Shamrock. So. That's a new segment. We're going to have to lock that in. Bomb's bone to pick of the week. That's awesome. Now uh, Maybe we'll get like Mosquito Grill to sponsor it next week. A couple bone-in wings from the grill. There we go. Yeah, that was that was tough to see. And, and you really, you really want to see your first-round pick, especially a guy that won the Heisman, a, a player of that caliber come in and make an impact and he hasn't and you just watch these Eagles games and you're just sitting there thinking to yourself and, and not so much Sunday because the game was kind of never really in question and and they were having a lot of su- success on the ground but don't you just sit there and think like all right when are we going to dial up this bomb to Devonte like when we had Deshaun Jackson in, in his prime like you always knew Andy was going to dial one up for, for D-Jack, whether it was the first play of the game, which most of the time it was. Uh, but you, you knew at some point, like, there there was going to be a good two or three shot plays throughout uh, a game to to Deshaun. And I thought Devontae Smith was, is a better prospect than Deshaun. And I'm not really comparing the players. I'm just saying, like, can we take some shots to this guy? Yeah. I mean, and don't don't hit me with the oh he's a rookie thing because you got you got uh, every rookie receiver that comes out of LSU sets records. Um, and to your point on Deshaun, he was catching those bombs as a rookie. Um, so you know I don't know if, I don't know if Smith can run like like Jackson did in his prime, but you know your point like what are we doing to to like put him in a position to succeed relative to his skill set? Maybe it's just that Hurts, and maybe this is what Saban realized. Hey, we got Smith. Hurts can't get the ball there. Put in Tua. It might be it. The, the The sad thing is, is our next option is Garner Minshew, who's got got the Ty Detmer sleeves on in in garbage time yesterday. Um, that that was unwatchable. I mean, that game got to to the fourth quarter, and it was completely unwatchable. And You've got Tennessee and the Colts battling it out, going into overtime. Um, I mean, and it was the only game on locally. There was only one one game on at 1 o'clock on Fox, Eagles-Lions. And the last probably hour of, of broadcast was just 
completely unwatchable. Well, I'd argue it was unwatchable from the jump. I agree with you. The football was unwatchable. I think Hertz Hertz delivered a pass um, early on in the game, and, uh, and let me get the exact quote because it's it's almost unbelievable that this was said out loud by somebody who has a job broadcasting on national television. He said, and I quote: "This is Jonathan Vilma, Jalen Hurts, when he sits in the pocket and has time, quote." He's as good as it gets. What? What? I missed that. (laughs) He's as good as it gets. What fucking sport are you watching, dude? He's as good as it gets when it comes to, like, fucking bench pressing or power cleaning or doing squats. I get that. But throwing the ball in the pocket? I mean, the guy looks awful in the pocket. Yeah, I think... I think it might have been like his one one lone throw of the day, like from the pocket that was down the field. Like I think it was the one to Watkins, that crosser um, near the goal line. Yeah, did it get called back? I was going to say, did it get called back that one or no? They just got him. He got down and then we ran it in. Well, no, I think I think he he caught it and then remember, <laughs> Hertz ran directly backwards, like we talked about. They got flagged for an illegal man downfield, but then they ruled that. Hertz stepped out of bounds, and actually the defensive penalty for holding would be enforced. So it was like an outrageous sequence. Yeah, that's right. Nah, but yeah, that, I mean, Jonathan, Jonathan Vilma comes on and says that after after one, the one and only strike of the day that he really throws. The 15-yard throw, dude. And then you got you got Kenny Albert. I mean, Vilma said it. Vilma said it. It was what? Kenny Albert was what? 0-7 in his last seven Eagles games? He was the Eagles' kryptonite. I believe that. I mean, the worse your team gets, the more you see Kenny Albert and and team. And it is like the most unwatchable broadcast you can ever imagine. It's so bad. Yeah, you're like a bottom dweller if you've got Kenny Albert at 1 o'clock in Detroit or, uh, I mean, not so much this year, but Cincinnati or the Washington games. Like, just think of any, like, miserable game that the Eagles have lost in the last five years kenny albert was probably on the call oh yeah it's it's terrible and i I just don't get how these teams or these broadcast teams aren't honest with the viewer like tell me these teams stink so you got vilma saying that hertz is as good as it gets then they then they turn around did you hear the narrative when they were talking about detroit's coaching staff no they were talking about assistance on that staff as if as if it was like the fucking 85 bears in terms of guys being prepared to be a head coach elsewhere. Deuce Daly, baby. They were talking about Deuce. Yeah, Deuce sits in all the meetings, and he's in there in the draft room. And and uh, I'm a Deuce guy. I like Deuce. This is nothing against Deuce. I'm talking about the broadcast. They're talking about this coaching staff as if, like, uh, you know, Dan Campbell's going to have a coaching tree after going fucking 0-17. I mean, the Detroit, the Detroit Lions aren't the team that gets guys poached from their staff. No, they, they get completely rinsed and they, they bring in completely new staffs like every three years. Um, but yeah, that that is tough for Deuce that, that he got buried there after, uh, I mean, solid enough run with the birds, right? You, you would have thought he could have landed somewhere else uh, that isn't as disgraceful as Detroit. But now that's going to kind of be a knock on his resume that he, he's he's a part of this failed, awful, atrocious organization. So bad. So bad. Yeah. Who's the defensive coordinator? Do you remember? I don't. 
Yeah, there, there was also talk about him and him and, and his head coaching, uh, you know, future. It was like, it was unbelievable to hear this narrative between two dog shit teams. Yeah, well, I mean, we did post Sirianni off the Chargers, but I guess they were half decent last year. The, po- the, point, the point stands that, that these, these commentators, they come on every week, every game, doesn't matter who's playing, um, doesn't matter the record of the teams or the players. Like, I'm sure they, those, those guys on the, the Jets-Bengals call yesterday were, were saying the same kind of shit about Mike White and all his success. And I was in and out and flipping back between uh, the Cowboys game Sunday night and, and the World Series. But they were probably Collinsworth was probably drooling over Cooper Rush out out of the Mac out, out of Central Michigan, um, as if he's he's some big time prospect and, and and maybe he is. But the point is is that these guys just get on the TV and yuck it up and and, str- and strum these guys off based off of one replay um, or like one good thing that happens. But in reality, we were watching garbage yesterday at one o'clock. You know, I'm shocked that, like, uh, the NFL and EA Sports, uh, along with their network partners, haven't found a way to automate the job of a broadcaster because they say the same fucking thing every week. You're so right. The teams stink. It's the same replays. They, oh, what a play. This guy can play. How is it that these guys still have a job where they're talking in real time every week? It should just be like Madden. It's the same quotes. Just swap out the name. I'm sure there's some sort of a machine learning algorithm you can plug the video feed into and instead of watching chris collins worth every week you just hear him talking as if he's on fucking magic yeah just bring him in in like july or august and have him record all the names in the league that he's going to call and, and all of his little uh his his little sayings and get get a soundboard and, and just play it have somebody at cbs or fox or nbc sitting in the truck you don't need to bring out collinsworth or al michaels or Jonathan Vilma or Albert, just just have the guy in the truck hit the button when uh, Jalen Hurts completes a pass or, or whatever happens. Just the same, like you said, the same way the video games do it, just on loop because it's it's the same nonsense every week. Just they apply to to different players. I actually think if you took this podcast and cut the audio and just played it during the entirety of an Eagles game. It would make more sense to the viewer than what the fucking idiots Kenny Albert and Jonathan Vilma are talking about every every week. We should lobby that with Fox. Maybe maybe give it a shot for uh, for the Denver game. That one that one promises to be pretty ugly. So it'll be be interesting to see how they polish that turd in a couple weeks. You know, you know, instead of the Manning cast, Bob and G should give it a go. It's for like the dog shit game of the week. I mean, a, a lot, a lot of them have been dog shit, but I don't know. The, the league's co- coming together, you know. The season's coming together, I should say, and and we'll, hopefully we'll get some some good matchups as we as we roll to the playoffs. Um, anything else on the Eagles? No, let's jump over to college. You want to jump over to college? I kind of wanted to to get your thoughts on uh, on number two yesterday. Yeah, let's let's let's. <laughs> Good point. Let's let's so, start let's start with the number two that number two threw into the air. <laughs> uh so talking about the Colts Titans game on Sunday, big game in the AFC South. Um 
Sad to learn here Monday, Derrick Henry's getting his foot operated on. He might miss the remainder of the regular season or the entire season. A little unclear there, but uh, that's a big blow to the Titans. They're up to 6-2. and two. They beat the Colts in overtime yesterday, 34-31. Um, the Colts were in control of that game. I believe they were up 14-0 at one point. Um, and then it was kind of back and forth in the second half. But uh, – the demise of the Colts. You know, I've been hearing all this talk about Wentz is back in 2017 form and he's got 11 touchdowns and one pick and he's got a great passer rating, great QBR. He just needed to go be with Frank Reich on a team with a good line. You know, all, all the all the usual. Um, but to the demise of the Indianapolis Colts, the guy throws a pick six in the fourth quarter. He throws another pick in a triple coverage in overtime. And they lose the game. They fall to three and five. They got the same record as the Eagles. Yeah, they do. But you got to remember, um, you know, there's bigger things in life than that game. And, um, you know, he's blessed to have a family. He's the, one of the only guys in the league that has a wife, um, you know, a daughter, three dogs, you know, a great hunting property, um, a sponsorship with, uh, a sites company, a sponsorship with Bobcat Tractors. So, um, you know, it hurts today, but you got to remember there's bigger things. Um, God, family, then football. And, um, you know, on a Sunday in particular, right? You know, he's got a lot a lot of other things going through his mind. The Lord's Day. He's got a lot of work to do before a 1 o'clock kickoff to, uh, you know, clear clear up and, and check off the to-do list before, before we're taking a snap. Yeah, he's got a diaper to change. He's got a dog shit to pick up. He's got some Christian rock to jam to on the way down to the way down to the stadium. Heck, he might have even driven the fucking tractor down. We don't even know if he drives the truck anymore. He might have driven the fucking Bobcat down. That adds an hour to the commute time. He's got to check in with wifey's family up in their little suite, wave to them before, uh, you know, after changing the diapers, picking up the dog shit, then he's got to take a shit on the field. So, you know, a lot to do, but glad he was able to get it all done yesterday. Yeah, he got it all done and took the L. Two costly turnovers at the end. And uh starting to hear, you know, some whispers and seeing stuff on the Internet that, that people are concerned that, that the Colts are going to bench this guy and the Eagles aren't going to get the draft pick. But, I mean, they're 3-5, and five, the Colts, and the wild card, there's an extra team this year. I, I, don't, I don't think they mail it in. I mean, they have a pretty solid team. Um, with with Taylor and that O line and Michael Pittman Jr. is is kind of a beast at receiver and they have a pretty good defense so there's no way that they mail it in and I think they have they have two easy games come up I'd, I'd have to check the schedule it might be Jacksonville and Houston so they're in, they're in that division they'll beat the balls off them right so he'll he'll stick around the stats will look decent but like he always does he can't beat a team that's over 500 um, and you know not to not to pivot but. If you can dub in the audio from from Brewski, um, I'd love to hear that, and the listeners should hear that. Uh, and I'll pause for Teddy, and then give you my thoughts on Teddy. So here's Teddy. I think there's going to be a handful of plays where we shake our head and think, "What is Carson Wentz doing?" And I, I understand people are saying that he's playing better, but from a defensive perspective, we're in we're in our team meeting room saying this guy is going to give us the ball somehow, some way. Disaster for Indiana. 
Yes. He is going to do something that is absolutely stupid, and we don't know why he does it, and then we'll take advantage of it. That's what I think happens. Can he throw a ball, good ball here and there? Yes, but that mistake is coming. I still need to see more consistent play from Wentz. What I see is, I mean, it's bound to happen. It's coming. You'll see it. Defenses know it's coming. All you got to do is catch it or recover the fumble or strip him because his ball security is poor. All right, so we just heard Teddy Bruschi basically um, talk about Carson Wentz as if he's a co-host on Thoughts from the Shade. He's got him figured out. He said, oh, look, I don't know what the defensive scheme is going to be. All we need to do is be ready that when this guy makes a fucking idiotic decision, just catch the ball. That's all we got to do. So I would like to extend a warm welcome, a, a, um, an invitation, if you will, to former Patriot great Teddy Bruschi to come on the show to talk about number two. We'd love to hear his in-depth analysis as a former player. We can provide our in-depth analysis as, a, as an Eagles fan watching this guy week after week disappoint the fans, the franchise, um, and everyone but his wife. So, uh, yeah, Teddy, if you're out there, feel free to come on. Yeah, thanks, Bob. No, I think, I think that, that, that Teddy clip kind of hits it. Right on the head, and we obviously have gotten into to the history of of Wentz and how how we got here and how it all came to be, and then you know the ongoing debate of if the Eagles will be better with or without him, and is he better than Hurts, and all this insignificant nonsense. But um, Teddy summed it up summed it up perfectly, um, you know, without without being too personal or without any character assassination. Um, so yeah, I'm glad I'm glad that we brought that on. But again. Looking at the Colts three and five, Eagles are three and five, and you know the Philadelphia fans, us included, aren't exactly thrilled with the play Jalen Hurts. Um, but I got I got to think to myself, and how how everything's transpired through eight games. If Carson Wentz is the quarterback on the Eagles in twenty twenty one, I don't think they have three wins. I agree with that. I, I really don't think they do. I think. You know, hurts hurts his ability to to scramble and run uh, has has helped them in the wins, even in the losses or in garbage time to make stuff look respectable. But I mean, could could you see two uh, formerly number eleven standing behind this offensive line and some of the debacles um, early in this season? I mean, it would be pick city, sack city. It 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 would be it would be so ugly. So. As bad as it's been, we're still better for that move. I could not agree more. All right, you want to you want to cap it there on on the birds in the league and and talk some college. Huge week in college. Let's let's jump in. Obviously, game of the week. I don't know if you're prepared to talk about this one first. Game of the week up in East Lansing. You know, you look at the pregame, you look at the weather, you look at the sky, the wind, the everyone bundled up. Man, nothing gets you going like that type of an environment up in East Lansing in late late October. And to the shock of everyone, two teams in the Big Ten East that are undefeated coming in, uh, battling it out for the state pride. And um, once again, Harbaugh chokes. So what are your thoughts there on, on Michigan and, uh, and the game? Yeah, I caught, a, I caught a lot of the first quarter, first half-ish. Um, and then I actually went went out Saturday to to catch a little a little local high school football, a little CBE CB West game at the new Patriot Stadium at the old alma mater. Whoa! 
didn't end well for East. They got blown out. I, th- I think it was 28 to eight when we left in the third. And I think they, they took the L to the Bucks 35, 15 in the end. But, uh, yeah, hadn't, hadn't been over to the, to the new stadium at East. So I wanted to check it out. It was a nice day. Good, good fall activity. But, um, I mean, in terms of Michigan, what, what a shame for them. Um, what they were up 30 to 14 in the fourth quarter. Um, it finally looks like they have a quarterback that can play a little bit in that McNamara. Um, he was chucking it around a pretty good bit. And, but I mean, Harbaugh is going to Harbaugh. And I, I believe that he brought in the backup or the 1B or whatever other quarterback that they like to utilize at Michigan. And I think that kind of bit him in the ass and, and, and killed their momentum or, or th- kind of threw a wrench in the offense uh, in the latter parts of that game and get, opened the door for Michigan State and, and uh, Walker to, to just come right in and take it. Uh, so, I mean, I, I had Michigan. I, I like their team coming into the game. I mean, against the Spartans, you look at Michigan State's schedule before that, nothing crazy, but. I mean, they they have Walker, Heisman candidate, one of the best running backs in the country. Guy had five touchdowns on Saturday. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, Harbaugh's going to Harbaugh, and and he did it again on Saturday, and it's just just a waste of a of a strong strong quarterback performance. Um, first time in a while at Michigan. You bring up a, a good point on Harbaugh. So obviously, I was on Sparty. Um, for no other reason than the fact that they were home and getting some points. And uh, I like the way they were running the ball. But I realized that that Michigan was screwed pregame. So they show Harbaugh coming on the field. First of all, that guy's been there for 80 games. Been that many already? That many games, like 53 and 24, some crazy. Th- I'm like looking at it, and I'm like, he's been there for almost 80 games. I mean, it feels like the guy just showed up. So they're showing this stat of him walking on the field. And what is he doing pregame? I mean, this is what your head coach is doing pregame. He's actually standing next to his quarterback. And I get Harbaugh was a quarterback. Maybe he's whispering some sweet sweet nothings into McNamara's ear. But he's the guy that's catching the ball for his quarterback. So he's got the gloves on. He's got the cleats on. He's got the shaded prescription glasses on, catching the ball for McNamara. So McNamara throws it to a receiver. And they throw it back to Harbaugh. He hands it to McNamara. So that's what your head coach is doing 30, 40 minutes before pregame. You know, like, what are we doing here? If you're, if you're a Michigan fan, like, do I, need a, do I need a ball boy or do I need a fucking head coach? You need a head coach. I didn't notice that. But, yeah, that's kind of weird. I mean, usually you see the head coach is going around kind of dapping everybody up, giving everybody some love, um, and then I, I guess getting ready, finalizing the game plan. You know, what are we going to do? Uh, early on on defense, on offense, and, you know, getting with the coordinators and the other coaches, making sure all, everything's in a row. Um, but, well, to that point, to that point, that, that's thank you for saying that because that was the point I wanted to get to. So he, he's having a catch with his, with his receiver and quarterback before the game. And I guess Michigan got rid of their, their longtime defensive coordinator in the offseason, right? This guy, Don Brown. He's Don no- Brown is no more. They got this young guy, this young whippersnapper who apparently came over from the Ravens. So Michigan's up, what, 10-0, 13-0, whatever it was early. Not once, but twice before the end of the first half. Their defense got caught with 12 men on the field. So 
They're in uh, Michigan State moves the ball. They get a first down, whatever it was. Michigan State does not substitute. And Michigan is running guys on and off the field substituting. Not once, twice. I mean, we're sitting there watching the game, and we're just talking about it. It's like, how is that? How's that the strategy? You get caught once. Oh, all right, we thought we could sub. They're going quick. But the offense is not making substitutions. It was simply Michigan. So they, they got caught twice with 12 men on the field in an illegal substitution. And Harbaugh's sitting there before the game playing freaking catch with his with his quarterback instead of telling his defensive coordinator to get his head out of his ass. Are we sure this D coordinator didn't come from the Detroit Lions? <laughs> I think we saw a lot of that on Sunday. Yeah, too. maybe he came from the Jonathan Gannon coaching tree. Who knows? No, that's bad. You gotta, like I said, you gotta have all your ducks in a row. And and this, you know, all these guys these days. I mean, you think about Harbaugh. He's kind of like he feels like a little bit more of an old school guy, like, and not as much of like a cheerleader, like a Franklin type. Um, but putting the gloves and the cleats on and and doing that, that 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 sounds like a James Franklin move. Like, that's. You lose points in my book for something like that, and and clearly it, it didn't help them on Saturday. Yeah, Harbaugh's a cheerleader type. I don't know. I I I don't know if I don't follow follow him enough, or or you know, have have seen enough of his antics. But you know, the khakis and and you know, kind of the old guy look and the the reading glasses. Um, I I, ne- I never really took him to be like the cheerleader type. Yeah, you you know, listeners, if you, if you get a chance to flip on a Michigan game later in the in the year, just watch everything that goes into John Harbaugh's game day preparation. The guy's a total horse's ass. Yeah, so uh, Michigan State beats Michigan, and they move up to I believe number five in the AP poll. Um, I think Michigan's only fell to nine. I want to say. I'll have to pull it up. We'll go through it. But well, again, um, this is the fallacy of these teams being all highly ranked, and like you know, now it's it's like it's like what the SEC used to get—the benefit of the doubt. Oh, you lost to this team and lost to that team, and this and that. But the problem is with the Big Ten; they don't have a directional school layered in in like mid-November. Um, so it's conference play from here on out. They'll beat up each other. Penn State will have five losses. Back to reality for them. Um, Michigan will have three or four losses, right? Um, and then you'll just have the Buckeyes sitting there at the end of the day, provided uh, provided they can keep it rolling. Yeah, so I got Michigan State at 8-0. They're sitting at 5 in the AP poll now. And Michigan is at 7-1. They're sitting at number 9. So not too too big of a fall for them. I mean, it was a close game. Um, and then you got Ohio State sprinkled in behind uh, or in between those two teams and, and now behind Michigan State. Uh, they drop a spot after the win over Penn State, 33-24 on Saturday night at the Horseshoe. Um, they're in at number six in the AP poll, seven and one. Um, you have any comments, thoughts on the Ohio State-Penn State game? I got a lot of comments and thoughts. I want to hear yours. I mean, I just feel like I watched two games as a fan this weekend, uh, Penn State and, and, and Eagles, like two seasons that, that are done, that are that are going nowhere. Um, and, and I'm just like, I'm not emotional. I'm not fired up. I'm just watching because, um, that's what I'm subjected to being an alum and, and being, uh, from the city of Philadelphia. But I guess it was good to see that, that they responded after, uh, the debilitating loss against Illinois. They, they didn't lay down and tuck their tails and, and call it a season. They played hard, but nowhere near good enough. 
you know, still can't run the ball, still can't get any push. I, I have to say, you have to give a ton of credit to the Penn State defense. They played a hell of a game Saturday night. Um, but offensively, it's just it's not enough. You, you can't win in the Big Ten without running the football, um, whether it's against Illinois or whether it's against the class of the conference. So, yeah, I mean, I was texting with people during the game, and they're like, are you fired up? Like, we were hanging around. We had the lead early on, and, and we were playing 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 a pretty decent game. Um, but I'm like, I'm not really fired up. Like, our season's cooked. Like, if, if we win this game, what does it even matter? Like, where are we going? So, like, yeah, it would be nice to spoil Ohio State season and their playoff hopes, but at the same time, like, I'm, I'm not – going to get all fired up and rowdy um, just to kick get kicked in the dick again at the end like we did. So, I mean, that was, that was kind of the short of it for me. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think the good news if you're a Penn State fan, Clifford looked quite a bit healthier. But, you know, there's no, there's no moral victories here if you're a Penn State fan. In spite of that, um, you know, James Franklin saw a number of great moral victories. He thought Mike Yersich called a good game on third down. They stayed on the field. Granted, they fucking turned the ball over all night. They couldn't get in the end zone. But he thought Mike Yersich called a good game. Um, he also thought that they played hard all year long, especially with the challenging schedule. Um, he stated that they didn't play good enough to win on Saturday night, but they're close. And he's going to keep working with these guys. He's going to keep, in his words, loving on these guys. And we'll find a way to get a win next week. Isn't that fucking great to hear? We'll find a way to get a win against Maryland. Yeah, I guess we'll only find a way to get a, win, get a win against Maryland if they clown you at the 50-yard line again during the coin flip and refuse to shake your hand. This guy's a clown. They show up in, in Columbus, or was it the big house, or was it Illinois? I'm not really sure. And they look lost. They have no ability to compete. Certainly, they have an ability to cover and totally fucking blow me out of the water. But, you know, the guy's a scumbag. Get him out of here. I'm done with him. That's a good point you bring up about the cover. I mean, I told everybody on this show— Hawkeyes big and and every everybody knew it or, or thought that, um, but lo and behold, here's James Franklin and here's Penn State, uh, j- just just to to stab us in the back one more time when we think we have free money uh, with the Buckeyes that they they come in and and cover the number. I mean, it's just a lose lose situation because you know they're not winning the game, so you load up on Ohio State, they still cover the number uh, and fuck you that way. So can never win with these teams. And yeah, no, you bring up a good point that yeah, you're like Franklin. He he took took the moral victories, but we're five and three. Um, and you, you can you can hear it. Um, you know, if you followed the Franklin regime, that those comments are kind of backtracking on on what his message has been for a long time about making the jump from good to great and great to elite, um, and that we're gonna do it. And now he's loving on the guys and we're going to get a win next week against a shit Maryland team, which they probably won't. They probably go to Maryland next week uh, and, and lay down and, and get kicked in the mouth. Uh, honestly, that, that would be my prediction. Um, well, a rock in a hard place. Cause I can't bet on James Franklin. And I also can't bet on baby Tua. can't bet on baby Tua. He's a turnover machine. <laughs> Take the over. I don't know. I will see. Yeah. Now I, I don't know. I like I, the season was done for me after Illinois, and you know it was funny. The the one thing that I thought was funny in the, in the game, 
uh, I think it was in the second half, Penn State scored like a one-yard touchdown. And they lined up with uh, under center with Clifford. And then they had like three guys, like they had the, the T formation, like one guy directly behind Clifford and then two guys next to on either side of, of that back. And they ran like a little sweep and they walked it right in. Um, and I feel like we've, we've seen that uh, previously in other games and, and they've actually had success with it. So why don't we, we, we make an ode, uh, you know, to the service academies and mix that package in a lot more because it actually works. I mean, we can't run the ball any other way. I agree. A little, little, uh, little different scheme. Yeah. I'm, but did you nah. see the stat that the Bears threw out pregame uh, during college game day about Penn State? No, nah, I don't think so. They're one of only two teams. I forget the time period. Maybe the last ten years. Maybe the last twenty-five years. Something like that. One of only two teams in all of college football to lose multiple games while being favored by nineteen points or more. Them in Oklahoma. Oklahoma at least gets to the playoffs. Penn State. They can't even get to the playoffs. No, they can't. But, no, I mean, I know I went off last week after the the loss to Illinois, but, you know, I expected Penn State to come in and get blown out. They didn't. Uh, But there's no moral victories. I mean, they hung in. And even if, like I said, even if they won, it would have been nice to spoil Ohio State season. But there's there's nothing in it for us now. Like, people talk about recruiting and the big picture. Like, I, I tell people we peaked. Penn State peaked under James Franklin, and and I think you made the point last week or or previously on the show we peaked under this guy um, because of a three-star athlete that came in and played quarterback, Trace McSorley, and because of Saquon Barkley. If it wasn't for those two guys, Penn State, you know, maybe maybe goes to one New Year's Six Bowl instead of three. So it, there, there, there's no big picture. There's no moral victories. It's not recruiting. Um, because even if we brought bring in more more guys, more blue chippers, who who's going to develop them? CJF. Yeah, I think they got to shake it up at the top. And I don't know if you heard some of the rumors with LSU, but I, I I'm going deep into these Tiger message boards, and they're throwing out a name that Bomb threw out as a potential candidate for Penn State. They said they want a coach who can compete with Nick Saban, and the name that was thrown out was Pete Carroll. This for LSU? LSU, brother. So, I don't know. If I'm Penn State, I'm getting my ducks in a row because I think CJF is going to dart out to USC. And who better to replace him with than the guy who actually won something at USC? I just wonder if Pete Carroll would even consider taking taking that job. I mean, Seattle's no, uh, no like, paradise weather-wise or, or some beautiful place. Um, and obviously Penn State – pretty nasty winners up there um so but it's it's not a usc right we've talked about that previously we've talked about the jobs and and it's funny the other thing about the game um you know penn state hung around hung around gives them credit whatever but the pick that clifford threw in the second half that kind of sealed the game like you just knew it was coming because you're waiting for Penn State to take a shot. Like, they kind of needed to take a shot. And, of course, Ohio State knew they were going to take a shot. So they dial up the pressure. Clifford chucks it anyway. And it's severely underthrown and picked off. Like, it's just so predictable. It's the same shit every year in these big games uh, from from the same characters. 
So I, I just wanted to toss that that nugget in there. But I is mean, it is it me or does Clifford have a little bit of Wentz in him in that sense? Like you just wait for it. Yeah, he does. He he honestly kind of does because he throws he throws the majority of his balls off his back foot. Um, you know, he's afraid to kind of stand in the pocket as soon as as soon as one of his O linemen gets blown up like a little bit, like he's looking to to scramble. And he doesn't step into a lot of throws. I mean, I'll give him credit. He's improved this year and he's played better. Um, but but still not still not an upper echelon or or elite college football QB by any means because it's just it's it's off the back foot and and there's still there's still questionable decisions being made. I'm telling you, man. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think you got to sign up for the Clifford Brothers quarterback training iPhone app, man. You got to get on there. You got to message him. You got to look for some drills that maybe he needs to do. Hey, Sean, I'm not seeing the drill where you step up into the pocket. Can you upload that one? Hey, Sean, I'm not seeing not seeing the drill where you're not throwing it off your back foot. You mind uploading that one? So I, I think you got to get in there and start mixing it up. He he needs to mix it up. He needs to to not be focused on making an app. And and be focused on on making making a pass in a big game, but uh, I think I, th- I think Herb Street called that out uh, during the game about him kind of throwing off the back foot and Yurcich working with him uh, in that regard. But you saw a lot of it Saturday night. Um, the other thing, and you know, there I had a number of of uh, gripes with kind of the officiating and the broadcast, but the one big thing, I believe it was. It was a couple plays before the bomb that they hit to Olave. And Ohio State has the ball around midfield, and they uh, complete a pass, apparently, that gets them to a second and one. Now, they only showed one replay of this pass. It was one replay, and you could see in the one replay that the ball hits the ground. And there was no identification of that from Herb Street or Fowler, the guys calling the game. And they only showed it one time. And Ohio State didn't rush to the line. And I guess Franklin and, and video coach and, and, and co were unable to identify it. Um, and I believe on the second down play, they, they threw an incomplete pass. And then on third down, they have an easy conversion with a run because it's third and one. And then the very next play, they hit the bomb to Olave and it changed the outcome of the game. But, I mean, we, we've talked before that the number of, of gaffes uh, in, in officiating and, and replay in these Penn State Ohio State games, it, it, it like there's always one every year, and, and that was it for me because it happened right before they they hit the big play that kind of broke it open a little bit and gave Ohio State offense some momentum. Did you catch that one? Yeah, no big deal. No, no need to look at it. You know what I mean? That's that's the that's what it is. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think it changes the outcome of the game, and you know, not not blame blaming it, but. You know, we spend all this time watching these games, and we're we're doing NBC it on uh, on 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 plays where guys had two feet in, and uh, you know, my my 94 year old grandfather could have seen it uh, from his bed in a fucking nursing home, but these guys are doing a 10 minute review, uh, looking at 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 the iPhone or the Intel booth, whatever the fuck it is, and and we're like we just we still can't get it right. It's 2021. We got all the technology and cameras and views in the world. And and we still can't get it right, and and, and the experts calling the games, like I'm sitting there on my couch. The ball hit the ground. You showed me one replay, and they they totally bypass it. It's so bad. No, it's. I think the the broadly speaking about the sport of football, I think the product is getting worse. 
I think the officiating is getting worse, and I think the broadcasting and the production is getting worse. Yeah, I mean, why do you think they're bringing on the Manning cast, right? And and not and and even you look at uh look at Barstool and look at the game day that they had on Saturday in East Lansing compared to ESPN's college game day. Like, it, I I don't know if these were were, were photoshopped. Uh, you know, images that were posted, but it looked like Barstool drew the bigger crowd. Yeah, I saw that too. It's it's not it's not surprising, right? I mean, do we need to see a segment with like uh, some Tom Rinaldi clone talking about you know the fifty second guy on the roster, what he's had to deal with with his life, or do we want to talk about gambling? Do we want to talk about like you know having a good time? I mean, it's a shock. I mean, the legacy media companies and the production that they put out there is so awful. So overproduced, the content stinks, and um, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. Yeah, but no, definitely, definitely a shift in in uh, in the game and in the coverage um, because you know the times are changing, and and some of this stuff is the time is bypassing it for sure. But uh, I mean, any other comments on any of the games or? or... Yeah, let's jump in. I think we yeah. got to talk college football playoff and get a first read. Yeah, I mean, so Tuesday, uh, Tuesday night, uh, I don't know if it's 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, uh, ESPN will have the initial college football playoff rankings. Um, so that's why we're here today uh, getting this out but ahead of them because we want to give our top four um, in, in advance of the show and, and see how it stacks up. Um, so I'll, I'll go through I – think, I think there's maybe six – or seven teams at this point that are probably worthy of a top top four spot. And I'll go to the AP poll, the latest AP poll, uh, and I'll give you I'll give you the top seven because I don't think there's anyone below seven that should be in the top four. And then bomb I say that you and I gave our top six uh, for our initial playoff rankings. And I want to I want to make a note here that um, let's rank this as how we, we would rank them if the season ended today, right? That's not, this isn't our prediction for the playoff. This is our rankings uh, here on November the 2nd. Sure. So you've got Georgia sitting at number one in the AP poll, Cincinnati two, Alabama three, Oklahoma four, Michigan State five, Ohio State six, Oregon seven. And behind Oregon, the round out the AP top 10 is Notre Dame, Michigan, and Wake Forest, none of which I believe uh, are really looking at a top four spot in the playoff right now. So Georgia, Cincy, Bama, Oklahoma, Michigan State, Ohio State, Oregon, those are your top seven right now. I think any of them could make a case to be in the top four. Uh, Are you ready? Are you ready to light on me your initial top four? My initial top four through football this week? Yeah. Georgia one, Bama two. I put Sparty three and I put Cincinnati four. I don't, I don't think Oklahoma, I don't think they've really beaten anybody. The best win they have is number 21, Texas. That was uh, come from behind. Granted, they're going to say, oh, yeah, different team with the quarterback. I think Michigan State's best win is better than better than Oklahoma's best win. So for that reason, I'd have to put Sparty at four. But, you know, this is going to change. I'm happy to give kind of predictions moving forward. Th- those are my four as it, as it stands today. And if I'm the committee, that's how I rank them. 
So you're going Georgia, Bama, Cincinnati, Michigan State. That's right. And what about what about five and six? Five, I got I got Ohio State, recognizing that uh, you know that their losses to number seven Oregon. And six, I got Notre Dame. Their loss was to to number two Cincinnati. Um, you know, Oregon had a big win against Ohio State, but in my mind, that, that loss against Stanford sticks out. A lot of times this committee, what they're looking at is who has the best loss. You look at Ohio State, they have a loss to number seven, Oregon. You look at Notre Dame, they have a loss to number two, Cincinnati. If I'm looking at it, I say, you know what? Some mixture of Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Michigan is going to be that fifth or sixteen. So you've got a, you've brought in Notre Dame. Over Oklahoma as your your sixth ranked team. I don't think they'll do that. That's my sixth ranked team. That's that. Yeah, th- these are these are our rankings. These aren't our predictions for for the rankings. These are these are how we see it right now. Yeah, because we've sh- we've seen that the committee will the committee. The thing that pisses me off about this process, and I'm just going to go off on a tangent before you get to your picks. The thing that pisses me off about this process is. I don't feel like the committee grades during the season the same way they grade at the end of the season. So there's like a different grading scale midseason. Um, I would put all of those teams ahead of Oklahoma if the season ended today. But they won't. They'll put Oklahoma there because in their mind, they're thinking, oh, you know what? Oklahoma may stumble. They got Baylor coming up. They got um, they obviously have Oklahoma State at the end of the season here. Big Ten, Big 12 championship game. There's multiple opportunities to stumble. So I feel like a lot of times the committee actually looks at kind of what's coming, you know, where they expect somebody to stumble. So that way they at least have an out in terms of re-slotting these teams as you get closer towards the end of the year. But in my mind, if Notre Dame wins out, if Oklahoma wins out, um, I think there's a discussion to be made there. I, I don't think, I mean, think of it this way. If Cincinnati wins out, if Georgia wins out, they're both undefeated. I guess Bama comes out. Does Bama come out? Bama they, comes. Bama comes out if they lose again. Probably, I would think. Lost. So let's assume Bama and Georgia win, or Bama Bama wins the conference. Georgia loses the SC title game. They're both in. They're both let's in. Assume Cincinnati wins out. You would think that they're in. Would you put an undefeated Oklahoma in over a one-loss Notre Dame who beat the number three or who lost the number three team? Maybe. Would you put Ohio State in? I just think Oklahoma's fraudulent. Um, and, I, I, you know, who knows what they'll do tomorrow, or I should say today. But um, those are my rankings. That's where I score them, and that's where I have them. I like it. And you talk about Oklahoma. Their last three games of the year, at Baylor on, on November 13th, uh, home versus Iowa State, and at Oklahoma State. Uh, Baylor's at 14th, Oklahoma State's at 11th, and Iowa State's no slouch. So they're definitely going to be – be challenged and be able to bolster bolster the resume a little bit because, like you said, they haven't they haven't played anybody at all. Um, this this is really tough, honestly. Um, I mean, obviously, Georgia's the consensus number one. They're they're beating up on on everybody. I mean, they're doing the teams in the SEC what Cincinnati should be doing the teams in the American, uh, and they haven't been as of late. Um, the last two weeks, Cincinnati's beaten Navy by seven. Uh, and they beat Tulane by 19. Um, I think Oklahoma only beat Tulane by maybe five or six points really early in the year. 
Um, so I've, I've got Georgia at number one. Sorry for the little tangent there. Um, number two, I'm going to go Michigan State. Um, I wanted to go Bama, but they have the loss. It's not a bad loss. Texas a and is a good team. Um, but un- unscathed Michigan State is going to be at two for me. Uh, and then I'm going to go Alabama. I mean, th- there's there's not a ton to say there. Obviously, they have the loss. Like I said, Texas A&M, they're up to 13. I mean, I, w- I wouldn't sleep on them to, to be out of this picture uh, if, if things get crazy. I mean, you liked them at the beginning of the year, and, and, and they're a good football team, and they have, they have probably the biggest win that anybody has uh, in the country right now. So don't sleep on A&M. Um, so I'm going Bam at three. I'm going to put Cincinnati at four right now. Um, ahead of Oklahoma, they have the, the better win. Over Tulane, bigger margin of victory there. They have the win against Notre Dame, who's crept back up to number eight. And, yeah, I mean, st- steady as they go. They, I think the only real scare they had was was against Navy, and they, they took care of that. So I, I, I think they've, they've earned it at this point. Um, but, but you look at Cincinnati and what's left. Uh, I think game day is going there this week, actually. Uh, I think they have Tulsa. Um, they'll have one more chance to, to hopefully play a ranked team at SMU in a few weeks, but you look at Cincinnati and, and what's left ahead in this season, they have, they have to put up some style points in these last four games or five games, whatever it is, they've got to start beating the brakes off everybody because like, like you said, I mean, th- this picture is nuts. There's so many argument arguments that can be made. Um, they need to leave no doubt if they want to make the college football playoff. Um, but I've got them in at four right now. Five and six is tough. I mean, you look at Ohio State, you look at Oklahoma, you look at Oregon, right? Um, I think I have to go Oklahoma at five just because they haven't lost yet. Um, I'm 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 on them, and they they do look like a new team with with Caleb Williams at the helm. So I'm going to go Oklahoma five, um, and then Ohio State, Oregon. I mean, it's a toss up. Oregon beat Ohio State at Ohio State, but Ohio State's been beating the brakes off everybody the last few weeks. Um, but you know what? I don't like Ohio State, and Oregon beat them. I'm putting the Oregon Ducks at seven. Uh, Ohio State has plenty plenty of games left to prove themselves, put themselves back in the picture. Give me Oregon at six. They have the head-to-head win, and yes, Ohio State is rounding into form and beating the brakes off people, but Penn State... The five and three Penn State Nittany Lions gave Ohio State all they could handle at the horseshoe on Saturday night. They needed a defensive uh, fumble recovery touchdown from a big man, a big man scoop and score to beat the Nits. That tells me a lot. I don't think Ohio State is it this year, and they're not in my top six right now. So I'm going Georgia, Sparty, Alabama, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, Oregon. Even though that loss is terrible, they have the head-to-head win. So that's where I'm at right now. So you, you mentioned Oklahoma. You mentioned undefeated. You, I know you're on them, right? So um, let's take that out of this. If it's all about being undefeated and it's not about how you look or what the what the eye test is, why is it Wake Forest up there? They're right now. They're the only team in the country that scored 35 points in every game this year. Let's read off their schedule. Have you seen this schedule? They're let's right now. They got North Carolina at North Carolina, 12 o'clock. If there's a game they're going to lose, I think it's this week. Then they got NC State at home. 
followed by Clemson at Clemson at Boston College. They could win all of those games. Okay. I don't I don't know that they do, but let's say they win all those games or even lose one of those games and win the ACC. How are they any different than Oklahoma? Oklahoma's just got the brand name. Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, who who is Wake Forest beat so far this year? Do they have any rank wins? Hang on. And and while you're looking, I mean, how do you value the depth teams in the ACC versus the depth teams in the Big Twelve? No, I I agree. I mean, I totally agree. I mean, I, I said from the jump that I think the ACC is fraudulent this year, and I didn't. I thought they were going to get shut out. I thought the ACC and the Big Twelve were going to get shut out. I still think that. Um, their best win, Duke, Louisville, Army. I don't know. Take your pick, Virginia. They didn't get like Pitt or Clemson this year. Clemson's in November twentieth, three games from now. No Pitt. I mean, the 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 schedule is really bad, really really bad. Yeah, well, I mean, if if. The schedule's bad, but they keep winning. They keep winning. They win a conference championship. They'll they'll put themselves in the mix because what are they at ten in the AP poll right now? They're at ten. So they'll they'll probably be at ten or eleven or twelve or or maybe higher in the in the initial CFP ranking. We'll see. Can I throw a wild card team out there for folks if they're looking for a future to maybe I don't know, um, to maybe save their their mortgage if it goes into foreclosure after they bet the house on Ohio State this past week. Let me give you a little. So so we had bombs bone of the wit, bombs bone to pick of the week earlier. Now, I think we should call this Bombs Bomb of the Week. Bombs this, bomb of the Week. This smells like a like a long shot, like a bomb. This is a bomb. This is, if you're in a hole, you know, hopefully you can go into the forbearance process with the house. If you can't, I don't know what to tell you because this wouldn't pay out for quite some time. The wild card team that, that I am actively considering throwing a decent amount of money on right now. And I, I haven't looked at the at the odds. I'm just looking at rankings. I'm looking at schedules. The Baylor Bears. The Baylor Bears are seven and one. Their best win is over Iowa State, who's number 14. They won that game 31-29 at home. They also beat number 19 BYU 38-24. They just beat Texas 31-24. Next week, they have TCU, who just fired their coach. Let's assume that's a win. The following week, Oklahoma comes into town. If they win that game, they finish at Kansas State and then Texas Tech at home. The game that that Baylor lost was on the road against Oklahoma State, 24-14. So in theory, if Baylor just continues to win, if Oklahoma State finishes relatively strong and Baylor wins the conference with one loss. Baylor might be a team that could that could get a look for the CFP. And right now they are uh what are they at 14, 16? They're 14. They're number 14 in the poll. I mean, a team like that has at least has the ability to get there over, let's say, a two loss Auburn. That's Bob's bomb of the week. Value bet. That, that's that's good intel. I mean they're at 14 now. They they have one good loss. They went out. They run the table, and and chaos ensues in front of them. 
they they could be in the mix. Um, I think it's an interesting interesting thing to bring up though, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe uh, that all the teams that have made the college football playoff uh, since it's in, since its inception, good talking there. Um, what was I gonna say? All the teams that have made it have been ranked ninth or higher in the initial CFP rankings, uh, which we're going to get Tuesday night. Yeah. And I think the other point that bears that bears, uh, which I'm not sure that that applies this year just because of how crazy everything's been. But the other point that bears um, that's worth mentioning is you're not going to get a two loss conference champion in this year. Like unless something crazy happens. So like, Baylor's at 14. At 13 is Texas A&M, 6-2. and two. 12, Auburn, 6-2. and two. Um, And then, uh, you know, Wake Forest at Oklahoma State at 11, 7-1, Wake Forest 8 now. Then you got a bunch of one-loss teams, some undefeated teams. So they're sitting behind a couple of these two-loss teams. They'll move out of the way. Um, yeah, like, and that's just in the AP poll. They could be ranked higher than, than those teams in the, in the initial CFP rankings. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah, but, yeah, no, I, I bring that up. No teams made it uh, being ranked outside the top nine in the initial rankings because I think if there was going to be a year that that, that, that buck stops, it, it might be this year. And, and the Baylor pick is, is one to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, I'm also talking myself into taking them against Oklahoma whenever that game comes around. Yeah, I think Oklahoma's got a bye uh, this weekend, and, and then and then they go to go to Baylor. I'm sure that'll be a be a small number, but it'll yeah, tell you a lot. Fun time of year, man. I mean, this is gonna be this is gonna be a wild finish. There's gonna be a fan base somewhere that gets absolutely jobbed. Um, and then we'll start the march to eight or the march to twelve or whatever it is we decide, but. I mean, I don't know how you feel, but after watching college football this year, it almost feels like we might need to go back to the BCS. Like, do we really need to watch number 12 Penn State get blown up by Georgia? Yeah. No, I feel that. I mean, you got to think the team that comes in at at four um, and even three, like – Georgia's probably already played a team that's that's just as good or better than than somebody that's going to land at three or four from another conference, and they've just been blowing the doors off at everybody. So you you bring up a good point. Um, I mean, I would argue that maybe maybe you just you just schedule one football game for the entire year, or or you do a uh, you do a best of seven with Georgia and Alabama across like all December and January, um, because Teams are going to get blown out. All the, a lot of three and four seeds in the playoff um, in, in its short history have been getting blown out. Um, so in time, in time, hopefully the, the right adjustments will be made. Well, you know, the thing that I fear, the great thing about college football, I think, is, um, or at least traditionally, the idea is that, uh, the idea is that, you know, Every week matters, right? And, like, if you lose, it's really, really devastating. And it feels like we're marching towards this Little League World Series type of style where we have an international bracket, we have a national bracket, 
And it's like, why are we inviting Canada? What the fuck is Canada ever won in Williamsport? Like, invite a team, you know what I mean? It's like, invite the team from freaking, like, Maryland. Canada fucking stinks. Because you know from the international bracket, it's going to be two teams. It's going to be Mexico or Japan and maybe Chinese Taipei in a, in a crazy year, right? It's like, why do we need all these, all these other countries coming in? They get absolutely demolished. So that's how I feel about college football. It feels a lot like the Little League World Series. That's where we're going towards. Maybe they change it into like a round robin type of thing, double elimination, like just like Little League World Series. Maybe Dugout will show up with the, uh, with the, the goofy trophy that they have. You know what I mean? Dugout, and he could take pictures with the kids, and all the Penn State fans could get out and take a picture with Dugout. Hey, Dugout. We know you from Williamsport. I think that's what we're marching towards in college football. Who's Dugout? Is he like the, the Little League World Series mascot? Dugout's the Little League World Series fucking chipmunk mascot. <laughs> you know, you got, you got, uh, you got Punxsutawney Phil. You got Gus, the second most famous groundhog. And then you got fucking Dugout over at Williamsport handing out bubble gum and baseball cards to the kids. And they're all having a good time. They're all having a great time eating funnel cake, watching the teams get absolutely fucking demolished and tapping, tapping the hands of a guy as he hits a fucking 400-foot bomb off your pitcher. Cut me a break. It's sickening. That's what we're going towards. It's all going to be about sportsmanship and college football. No more of Miami getting off of the plane, dressed in military fatigues, walking out of dinner on Paterno and the boys. No more of that. It's going to be about, hey, double elimination. We were able to bunk with with uh, the team from California this week. We played, we played cards together, and we traded pins. That's what college football is going towards. So you're, you're equating kind of Cincinnati maybe to, to the Canada of, of the Little League World Series right now? Don't even show up. <laughs> Don't even show up. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens, but... They, if if it's if it's more blowouts in these semifinal games, they 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 gotta they gotta take action and get something right. I don't know what the answer is, but it it is tough to watch. I think you got to give the one and two teams a bye. Maybe expand it to six, and it's like, you know, you get you get a bye if you finish in the top two, and then let the other teams duke it out, and you know whoever gets the right to get their, you know, get their their uh, their doors blown off, like you know, step right up. Yeah, like at least at least you you earned it for sure. Like if if the one and two teams get the bye and then three plays six and five four plays five, at least at least you beat somebody that they thought should be there too, and, and they're the best team out of those two. And then then you go and and get the doors blown off by Georgia or Bama. But hey, at least you earned it. That's right. Um, anything else on college? We'll look forward to the to the initial CFP rankings on Tuesday night. Um, and see how see how our picks shake out. Anything else you want to get to on uh, on episode eighteen here? I think that's it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's it for me. Flyers are back Tuesday night against the Coyotes. Hopefully, right the ship after falling to Calgary Saturday night. Went two and one on the Western Canada trip. Um, man, I didn't get a lot of sleep staying up for those games, so. Glad they're back on the East Coast. Not much more on the Baby Ben front, so I shouldn't have even said the name. I should have just cut the episode before you even had the chance to open your mouth. Um, but no, I think I think that's it. And uh, you know, we got we got our work to do on the picks. 
we we might have to keep it offline. I don't I don't know what you think. Um, we we can make that decision here here and now or or later in the week, but the picks haven't been hot. Yeah, if, if you're a listener and you're listening, please just drop us a line on the IG. Let us know if you want the picks episode to hear our fundamentally flawed analyses of each game before we give you a loser. Um, or if it needs to be kept offline, it's really pathetic. We, you know, we're going to get back to our winning ways. I do want to call out in spite of the recent cold streak. I think I'm still over 500. Um, G, bang. It hurts. Yeah, it's, it's been brutal. Um, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out, uh, put myself out there right now, and, and make a, make a guarantee, uh, and I'll include the playoffs. Uh, I guarantee I will finish over 500 in NFL this year. Guarantee it. Whoa! Col- well, can, we get, can we get action on the guarantee? College, I don't know. College, I don't know. Uh, I'm getting killed. And, you know, c- couldn't p- pick a winner if it was a fucking booger in my nose. But NFL, I'm coming back. I am going to finish over 500, including playoffs, including the Super Bowl. I will finish over 500 in the NFL this year. Right now you're at 16 and 20 for a 444 clip. How do I get action on that? What do you want to do? Well, I mean, maybe uh, you know, maybe we we do a we do an episode at at Mosquito Grill or somewhere with with some wings, bombs, bone to pick of the week. Maybe it gets rolled out there, and uh, and I, I treat you to a to a nice nice dinner and a couple couple cold ones for a live episode. If you uh, you know if you finish above five hundred or uh, the inverse, if you finish below. So I'm treating you to wings and dinner. Fuck yeah. All right, that's a deal. You got yourself a deal. I I look forward to some some sloppy hot wings and an ice cold beer come like mid February. We'll need it, right? Because that'll be the dead zone of sports, and uh, you'll need it. You'll need a wing night out for sure. But yeah, no. Uh, let us know. You know, if you if you have any feedback, if you want to hear why uh, you should you should go the other way and fade the shade. Um, we're, we're happy to, to come on later this week and tell you if not, that's great too, but the picks will always be there on the Instagram. Um, but no, I think that just about does it for episode 18 of thoughts from the shade. Uh, thanks everybody for listening again. Happy belated Halloween. Follow us on Instagram, like rate, subscribe, your favorite podcast apps, um, and have a great week. We'll talk to everybody soon. Peace. Peace.